Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Welcome to the Jet Centric Podcast. I'm Kishore, and this episode is called Fix the Jets. It's our sort of off-season preview of what we hope the Jets will do this season. So with full acknowledgement, now that we've been through uh, the closeout of the season, the off-season uh, media availability, we kind of get a sense of what the Jets are going to do via you know, certain hints in that. But rather than focusing on what the Jets will do, we're going to try to have a discussion on jet, what we hope they'll do. Uh, because I think this is still a team with a ton of possibility with, uh, with a touch of imagination kind of dropped in. Uh, so for the, this episode, we're going to go through uh, who to protect, who we think the Kraken are going to take, uh, what to do with the um, three RFAs on the team, and uh, come up with some UFAs to sign. Uh, everyone on the podcast will be able to make one trade, and it has to be a legitimate trade, no Logan Stanley for Connor McDavid straight up. Uh, but it will be a trade, one trade that we think can really help the team fill gaps. Uh, and for today's show, we have some awesome guests, uh, per usual. Brian's here. Good to see you. And first timer, Dev, I think this is your first time on the podcast. Uh, uh, you joined us on a lot of our intermission chats in the playoffs, and it was awesome to have you. And I'm super excited to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, so before we uh, dive into the the Kraken draft, um, tell me just like really quickly how you're feeling about this uh, offseason. Optimistic, pessimistic, excited, nervous, like kind of give me a sense of, of what you're feeling going into the offseason. Um, intrigued, but not necessarily like thinking that what I want is going to happen just based on the way the season ended and the, you know, the post gate or the uh, season ending pressers and all that. Um, hopeful, I guess, because there is some very interesting UFAs out there for the Jets to possibly look at. Um, and interesting because, well, I guess every off season is interesting to me. I have my philosophy on how I think the team should be built. Um but what do I know? I'm not a coach. Um, anyway, I, I, I do think it'll be an interesting offseason nonetheless. Deb, yeah. how, are, how are you feeling? I'm sadly, I'm feeling a little bit pessimistic about this offseason just because of the way that our season ended. And just because like we want to play off, we, we, you know, we the sweep to swept pipeline kind of leaves it open um, to seeing how management and everyone feels about where this team is at and I know that in like the end of season pressers they were talking about our team is coming into their prime which I thought was a little bit ridiculous but um I was stupid that was a crazy thing to say um but yeah I am feeling a little bit more on the pessimistic side which is kind of too bad um because we have so many good pieces on this team it's just not quite not quite there um and I wish that I had some higher hopes for the way the offseason is going to go. So I'm with you both. Um, I'm feeling like the highs and the lows. Um, the lows are pretty obvious. I think we're going to still be a pretty conservative team in the offseason. Um, but I think the highs are, man, Nikolai Ehlers kind of getting elevated to the first line always gives me hope. That that man just, uh, I, I love him, and I can't wait as he, enter, as he continues to enter his prime what he's going to be able to do. Uh, the other thing that gives me um, optimism is that uh, 
look at what's happening in the rest of the Canadian teams outside of Montreal. It is a trash fire across the continent. So like, I feel like the jets are better positioned than some of the other teams in the area in terms of what they have in terms of cap flexibility and what's in the pipeline. I would not trade positions with Toronto right now. I would not trade positions with Vancouver right now. I probably would trade. I would probably trade positions with Edmonton because that's Connor McDavid. I just think the Toronto media landscape is so toxic right now around that team. That's why I wouldn't trade with them. Okay. Um, I was going to say, I think I, I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know about that, but I, I, that's uh, They have better players and everything, but they're so up against it for the, for the foreseeable future that even if they kind of make some movement this year, I think they're going to be in trouble two, three years down the road with a flat cap. Yeah. All that being said, um, I'm rocking the first uh, Jets piece of paraphernalia ever bought. This is a Jets hat from 93 when I was filled with optimism about the future of this team. It is now uh, 30 years later, 28 years later. Um, not much has changed <laughs> about the future of this team, but I, I am using it to fill myself with hope. And with that, let's go to the expansion draft. Um, let's hear who you'd protect and who you think the Kraken are going to take. Uh, Brian, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, obviously you have Wheeler on the no movement clause. So he's obviously being protected. Um, you have Ehlers, Shifley, Connor, Dubois. Um, I think then assuming he's not traded beforehand, Cop and Lowry. Um, and I think you are exposing Appleton. Um, and then on defense, um, very simple. Um, I'm protecting DeMello Pionk and Morrissey. Um, earlier in the season, I was thinking maybe given his struggles and his contract, expose Josh Morrissey, protect Logan Stanley. Um, I'm thinking even with his struggles, you can get more for him in a trade than Logan Stanley would be worth. So that's my rationale there in protecting Morrissey. And I do think, I do think there's still a player there if you give him the right defense partner. Um, And I will add on to that and say no side deals. Don't give Seattle anything um, to stay away from Mason Appleton or Logan Stanley those are not players that are going to break your team with losing. Um, I like Mason Appleton. Um, I think he's a decent um, middle six, probably a really good third line forward. Um, and you like those guys. You like to have them on their, on your team, but to tell you the truth, they're a dime a dozen and you can get two of them a year on waivers and there's usually three of them signed for in the $1 million range in the off season. So um, I wouldn't go there with spending any assets to protect those guys. So that's basically where I'm at on that. Okay. I'm going to have you hold who you think the Kraken are going to take and let's go over to Dev. Who's on your protect list. So in, I know this is never going to happen, but a kid can dream. Um, the best best case scenario would be that Wheeler would waive his uh, no movement clause because nobody wants him. His contract is so ugly. Um, so 
if that could be a possibility, I would protect Ehlers, Shifley, Connor, Lowry, Dubois, Appleton, and then one of Perot or Stasny. Um, I know that, Brian, you were saying you wouldn't necessarily jump to protect Appleton. I think he has a lot of potential um, if given the opportunity, which historically on this team, that doesn't happen a lot, but... Um, <laughs> um, and I, um, I'm just hopeful that we could keep one or both. Of, I mean, it'd be great to keep both Perot and Stasny, I think, um, just for some veteran presence that isn't Blake Wheeler on this here's, team. Here's the thing with those guys. They're, they're unrestricted free agents. So I think, I don't think they need, like, you can protect them, but I don't think the Jets are signing them to extensions before the expansion draft. That is true. If they do, mm-hmm. um, that leaves an extra forward, probably Adam Lowry. Oh, I guess you had Lowry uh, unprotected. So you left Andrew Kopp unprotected then. Yes, which I have more on that a all little right. bit later. I, um, I think we're I do... all going to talk about Andrew Kopp here in a second. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we're going to have very different opinions as well. Um and then my three de- three defensemen would be DeMello, Pionk, and Josh Morrissey. Um, I feel like that should be obvious why. Um, there were a lot of DeMello antis this year, which to me didn't make any sense. He was playing with different partners on the third pairing all year. And then finally they put him with Josh Morrissey and they seem to have, those two seem to kind of have something going on. Um, but it was so short, so they didn't really get to build a ton of chemistry is DeMello a top defense like a top pairing defenseman on any other team probably not but um I think he's just a good steady defenseman that we could absolutely use more of and then of course do we even need to say what goalie we're protecting no we do we do not uh, may he save us in uh, in perpetuity. Uh, so I, I have the same list pretty much as you I thought about doing the ask Blake Wheeler to waive his no move class, but I think that's even too far for me. Um, even though I totally understand doing it, it'd be a great way to circumvent the cap. It's the kind of thing that Breezeball would do at Tampa to kind of circumvent the rules a little bit. I just don't think Chevy's the kind of guy that will, that has the guts to go to Wheeler and ask him for that. Um, but I am making a difference. I am going to protect Appleton and not protect cop. Um, and um, uh, because I, I think re-signing COP is going to end up costing too much money. Are you trading COP before the expansion draft? I am. And we'll get to that in a, in a second. Um, Fair enough. And, and then um, I'm doing the same on defense and uh, goalies as all of you. All right. So who do you think the Kraken are going to take? Let's start with Brian. I think they're going to take Appleton, but I don't think that's necessarily... Like, I don't think it's, like, a for sure thing. Um, I've, I did a uh, mock Seattle draft um, myself, um, and I was basically taking the best player available from each team, and that did end up being Appleton on the Jets. But they're not going to take the best player available immediately on each team because mm-hmm. that means they're putting um, – so 23 guys will be on the roster. That means they'll be putting seven players on waivers, essentially. They're not going to do that. Seven of the players they're going to take 
are going to be either reclamation projects or for futures. So um, Mason Appleton is kind of right there with most of the forwards I think they're going to end up taking, but not necessarily better. I wonder if it's a possibility they end up going with either a Sammy Niku as a kind of a reclamation project or a Mikhail Burden as potentially uh, a goalie for them later on. I do think it'll end up being Appleton, but I'm not 100% sure about that. Dev, who do you think they're going to take? I'm kind of on the same page there. I think that if we leave Appleton unprotected, he's chances are he's gone, um, which I do think is unfortunate, but I mean, it's not the biggest hit to our team because I think of Jansen Harkins and he can absolutely, I think he could totally um, fill that role um, if he just gets enough minutes for it um, to develop a little bit more. Um, so it wouldn't be, I feel like losing Appleton isn't the end of the world. I just really like him. I think he's really good. I think he has a lot of potential. Um, but I do think it would be super interesting if Seattle takes Sammy Niku um, to see if they can kind of fix him. Um, and that would kind of work out for us because obviously Sammy Niku is going nowhere with this team, um, right. which is sad. I'm very disappointed in that, but um, I think that would be very interesting to watch. And I would, I would watch Seattle games just to see how Sammy Niku does just in a different, in a different setting with different coaching, all that kind of stuff. Totally. So I'm going different. Um, I think they're going to take Logan Stanley. Um, okay. And not because I think Logan Stanley is going to play a minute for the Kraken. I think they're going to flip him as an asset in a trade with somebody else because NHL teams are, uh, especially the GMs in this league, are galaxy brain when it comes to big defensemen. And so I think the Kraken will play it smart, take the big defenseman and flip him for assets. Um, I think they're not taking anyone that uh, makes any sort of money. They've already kind of announced that they're going to try to maximize their cap. And so it'll be down to Appleton, uh, Stanley. And I think potentially, I think the, the Mikhail Berdine is actually a really interesting one because um, everyone's thinking they're going to take Jake Allen, but I'm not convinced of that. Uh, and so we'll have to see who they actually select in the, in the pipeline. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. I can't remember who I, like in my Seattle mock draft, I can't remember. Oh yeah, now I remember. It was Kulak I had them taking from Montreal. I didn't save that expansion draft. I really should have because it could have been good <laughs> to talk about for this episode what like could have happened for Seattle. But anyway, I digress. All right. We do have you think, um, sorry, real quick, I want to jump in here and just say I do think it's really interesting um, if they take my question kind of it's a bit of a open question, Mike. I would wonder um, if if we lose Logan Stanley, um, does that open the door for Hanela and Sandberg? Because I can absolutely see this team prioritizing Logan Stanley over both those players, which is such a mistake in my opinion. Um, Hanela and Sandberg are far more skilled, fought, like just way more offensive they're absolutely what we need. So I do think it would be really interesting if Seattle takes um, Stanley to see if that opens those doors. 
there is a reason I had them take Stanley in my what I hope happens to the Jets. Yeah. And it's pretty consistent with what you're saying. Uh, let's move on to the RFAs. We have three RFAs. Uh, I'm not calling, uh, uh, counting Marco Dano. Apologies to you. Uh, but we have Andrew Kopp, uh, Neil Pionk, and uh, Logan Stanley as RFAs. What happens to the RFAs? Um, why don't we just start with Andrew Kopp? Because we all are have different thoughts about it. Um, I think the the general feeling is that the team is going to re-sign him. Um, but what are you doing with Andrew Kopp? Um, Brian, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I've, I've thought about it quite a bit. And to be honest with you, I think I'm trading him. Um, and I'm doing it. I'm doing it before the expansion draft and I'm doing it for a forward. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't know if Tony listens to our podcast anymore. Uh, but, uh, I think he was the first to mention this trade. Uh, Andrew Kopp and a first round pick for um, for Sam Reinhart. Um, I don't necessarily know. Uh, like, I think that probably gets it done. But I'm wondering. I'm actually. I'm actually going to go a step further and go Andrew Kopp and Logan Stanley plus a second round pick for Sam Reinhart. That's my. That's my pitch. And that so is that spicy. actually, that takes care of two of my RFAs and that takes care of my one trade that I'm allowed to have. So, <laughs> um, spicy. talk about a reclamation project, any trading for anyone off of Buffalo is a reclamation and, project. Well, and but like the thing about Buffalo is I, I, I just don't think that organization is necessarily all that smart. I think they see the size in Logan Stanley and maybe think that they could get a top four defenseman out of him. I think Paul Maurice thinks he can get a top four defenseman out of Logan Stanley at some point. Maybe, I don't know, but uh, I, I do think like our most organizational depth is at left defense. Our, it's our worst position on our whole team right now, but we have a bunch of prospects there. We have, um, we have Billy Hanela, Dylan Sandberg, obviously. Um, but we also have Declan Chisholm and Anton Johannesson, who is a young kid playing over in Sweden with a lot of skill, a lot of injury issues. But he, I, I love the pick when they made it. I think it was a fifth round selection. Um, mm-hmm. I do think there's some potential there if he can grow his game. Regardless, um, we don't have better organizational depth at any other position. And the way NHL teams work, um, those guys are going to stay in the minors way too long um, because the Jets are going to wait way too long with Logan Stanley to see what they've got. Um, So I, I think what I would do is definitely I'd package up cop and Stanley and whatever you have to add in to get Sam Reinhardt. And I would do that. I think it might take a first for Reinhardt just because like all the scuttlebutt around the, the Sabres is that they want picks, 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 yeah. picks. Um, so, um, but I, I think that is a spicy trade and I love it. If uh, I'm adding, 
If I'm adding yeah, a first, ahead. if I'm adding a first, I don't know if I don't know if I'm adding Stanley. If it like, mm. I don't know if I think Cop in a first might be enough. I'm not sure. Like, Cop is a top six forward on that team, and he's going to be making five mil a year probably in around there. Yeah, but Cop's not an actual top six forward. He's a top six forward on that team. Sam yeah. Reinhardt's an actual top six forward. It's true. Um, Dev, what do, what do you think about Andrew Cop? I absolutely, I'm on the side of trade him as well. Um, I think that in terms of value in a trade, it's probably what, like, it's probably at its highest right now, his trade value. Um, And I just look at the forward depth that we have, like we have, if we keep Appleton, Appleton, Harkins, Gustafson, and Perfetti as well. Um, So I just think in terms of forward depth, we're okay. We don't really need him just considering how expensive he's likely going to be. Um, and I just think about last time we signed him as an RFA, it went to arbitration, I believe, um, his contract negotiations. And, um, I just don't want to see that again. Um, he's also just a Trumpy, not a fan. Um, (laughs) Wouldn't mind seeing him go. Um, But yeah, I do genuinely think that with the forward depth that we have, it's not super um, important to keep him. And I do think that so often on this team, we see him like playing with Lowry and the Lowry's line was much better when it was Perot, when he was playing with Perot and Appleton this year versus when Cop was on that line. And it seems to me like Paul Maurice is kind of set on having cop on that line for some reason. And so I just feel like, why are we keeping him around? That's yeah, fair. I, yeah. Let's make it a unanimous. I'm trading Andrew cop. Um, I love everything that he's contributed to this team, but he's had a career season. And if we've learned anything from watching Jim Benning, it's that you do not pay your bottom six multi-million dollars. That's a great way to wreck your team. Um, and Andrew Kopp, I saw projections of upwards of four plus million uh, as his projected AAV. That's just too much money to have down there when you already have Lowry signed at 325 going forward. So I trade, um, I'm going to make kind of a homer trade. Uh, this isn't going to surprise Brian. I'm doing Andrew Kopp straight up to St. Louis for Vince Dunn. It's finally happening. I'm getting Vince Dunn in and putting him on the right side. Vince Dunn, an RFA that's making 1.875, and I'm going to have the Jets sign him for three by three. It might be three by three and a half to get him done, um, but uh, he's not going to command more than um, three and a half. I'll pull up his uh, his projected uh, contract on Evolving Hockey here. He had, he had a yeah. really bad end of season, it and wasn't, uh, Blues... It wasn't. Yeah, Blues fans are not happy with him. And it's partially because he had to play up the defensive lineup. So he was playing um, with like Pareko being hurt. He was playing like first and second pair. And that's not Vince Dunn's strength. But if you put him on the right side on this team where he's behind Pionk uh, and DeMello, potentially he's now getting, you know, more favorable matchups and he's a puck mover. I, I am a, person that's going to value puck moving over anything else uh going forward i i do think like dunn had a lot better results on the left side which is which Mm -hmm. might be would might be where i want to play him um but you are right on the right side 
Um, he might get put behind DeMello and Pionk. So it might be a better option there. So I'm not sure. But uh, for some reason, I'm having trouble pulling up these contract projections. Let me refresh the page here. Um, okay, here we go. I also thought about trying to finally get Julius Honka in, but like Hop is worth way more than Julius Honka is, who's basically being paid to not play right uh, right now. Um, and really, I was looking at right defenseman. What could I what could I get? Even though you know Cop is a forward, um, I I just think the 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 maximum value going into next season and the one beyond is flex uh, cap flexibility. And so paying cop 4 million just erases all the flexibility that you're getting with Perot and Stastny coming off the books. Um, so I think it's a giant mistake for them to sign him uh, and let him go play for somebody else and win a nice woman, a hundred thousand dollars in a four goal game somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. He had his best year in points this year, but his worst year um for at least at least i think since his rookie year in terms of driving shot metrics so um i mean his yes. best season as a jet was on that tlc line um in terms of like what he was able to accomplish i generate. totally agree with you like and, in, and uh, that TLC, was my beloved <laughs> a, and that was a like very standard third line um and there's just no need for him in that role going forward no um, thank you Thank you for your service, Andrew Cop, and we're moving on. Um, um, okay, Vince, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, Vince Dunn's uh, projected contract uh, as per Evolving Hockey, two years, uh, $3.144 million per year. On the three-year term, if you were to get a three-year term, which is almost identical likelihood to the two-year term. Uh-oh, did we lose Brian it there? It is 3.894 million per year. Oh, okay. So I was I was right. It was like in that three to three and a half range, maybe on the, you know, might be, you know, three eight on the high side, but on the low side, it could be down to three two. I, I'd be happy for something like that. Um, uh, it's an overpay for somebody. If he ends up playing on your bottom pair, you don't want to pay anyone on your bottom pair, you know, three plus million, but at least... Um, it's, it's somebody that changes, uh, it helps change the nature of the defense. He has a lot of skill that like, I, I think this year, I think it was a one-off. I think, I don't know that for sure, but I think it was a one-off. You never know, mm -hmm. but nonetheless, um, I don't think he would be any worse than, uh, forward Bolu or Stanley towards the end of the year and probably more C2. So mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to Neil Pionk. What do you do with Neil Pionk, whose who's projected uh, value is between five and six million dollars per year, depending on term. Um, so uh, he's an RFA coming up. Neil Pionk. Brian, what do you do? I, it depends what I get through the rest of my lineup, but assuming everything is more or less status quo, I think I sign him. Um, he's still going to be worth, um, he's still going to have market value. I think after this year, no matter what, because unless you sign like a Dougie Hamilton or someone like that, um, Neil Pionk is playing top power play. I 
Paul Maurice isn't putting Billy Hainala ahead of him on the top power play. I, I, I don't think. Um, I guess he did with Morrissey this year. Um, so, you know what? I, I have no idea. I think he's going to put up points, which generally, along with Ice Dive, will drive uh, market value for defensemen. So, I would sign him. him thinking that it's not going to be an and I do that's not to say I didn't like his game I don't think he's going to be worth six million a year I think he's a very good number three maybe a lower end number two defenseman but probably a higher end number three is where I'm at on him um and also depending on who I get playing with him this year uh signing him could be a good thing so I'll go with that uh, yeah, I resign him too. Like, I, I hope I get some value and I can keep him in the high fours um, with term. He's young enough to keep him, you know, um, at a number that's even like uh, he's 25. So I don't even mind like a five, six year contract if need be, uh, if it can keep the number down. Uh, yeah. Dev, what do you think? I also, um, I'm very pro Neil Pionk. I love Neil Pionk. Um, I don't think he's a top pair guy. I totally agree that he's like lower end two or higher end three kind of guy. Um, I don't think he's worth five or six mil. Um, it would be nice to sign him for not that much. Um, but he's just like, you know what you're getting with him. Um, and I think that he's a, he would be still a good piece on our team. Um, I thought it was very interesting that the Jets kept Morrissey on the top power play when he was not very successful for most of the year, at least in my opinion. I thought Pionk was doing a lot better um, quarterbacking it. Um, I could go into a whole thing about that, but I won't. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but um, no, I say resign him. Um, would be nice to sign him for not the most expensive. Um, but we'll see what happens. But I do think it would actually be, I think it's quite likely that we re-sign him. Um, and that would make me very happy. I like Neil Pionk a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know what the, what the actual number is going to be. Like I'm going to project it around 6 million, but if he puts up enough points and, um, and his shot metrics tend to go down, like I was saying, it is a tradable contract. The other thing about the power play though is, our second power play was better throughout the year than our first power play. And Neil Pionk was, I think not the biggest piece of our second power play for sure, but he was certainly a part of it. Um, I don't think that power play unit does nearly as well with Josh Morrissey on it. So full props to Neil Pionk there. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. Power play two, it was power play one. Exactly. Um, even if they didn't um, always get the amount of of ice time, and there's segments of the season where power play one actually outproduced power play two, at the end of the day, like you could actually look, even just pure eye test, and see power play two was generating more chances and putting more pressure on the opponent's penalty kill. Um, and uh, you know what? Like watching. 
Colorado, Vegas, some of the uh, Tampa's power play. The thing that's in common about all these great power plays is movement. And the one thing power play two had was a lot more movement than the fairly stagnant power play one. Um, so I, I don't think that's a question. I'm hoping for some sort of hybrid power play one that comes out of this, where they change some pieces around on the power play two unit, um, because we're going to lose some of the players that were on power play two. You know what, that, that totally, uh, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and so I'm going to pull up actually my team that I, uh, that I made on cap friendly, um, the, the dream I called it. Um, and I, I'm going to, so we only got, oh no, it was only one trade we had. We could sign multiple UFAs. Yeah, both. It's never going to happen. Um, but on my top power play, it was kind of a hybrid of like the second power play we had before with Neil Pionk at the top and Nick Ehlers flanking him on the left. And then I had Cole Perfetti on the right with Mark Shifley in the middle for that bumper option and that shot from the slot. And I, the guy I signed as a UFA in my, uh, in my dream team, uh, Thomas Tatar as the, uh, as the down low guy. Um, we know that's not going to happen, but I just wanted to throw that out there just because Kishore said uh, the hybrid power play one, power play yeah. two. Uh, so both uh, Brian and I have traded Logan Stanley at this point. <laughs> so uh, we're not going to talk about him as an RFA, but Dev, do you want to touch up upon what you would hope for with Logan Stanley? Yeah. Logan Stanley to me just isn't that special. Um, I don't, I mostly, I mean, I kind of mentioned it before. Like I'm kind of hoping that, but we he don't. scored two goals on Carey price. I know the greatest goalie of all time, according to most of Canada, according, according right. to, according to projection, um, like his, his trajectory, he's now going to score uh, 164 goals <laughs> in 82 games next year. And awesome. the league better be, on or they better watch out yeah watch out for, for no, yeah nothing was better than listening to pdo cast uh dimitri filipovic's <laughs> cast and they were talking about that and and uh his guest uh was talking about how like uh he couldn't believe how logan stanley scored those two goals because those were both like the most low danger chances and after the the postseason that carrie price is having to let <laughs> like two goals that he like good snipes all around but at the same time not not his best work of the postseason uh, i'm sorry dev so you you were saying about uh logan yeah, stanley logan stanley to me is kind of tyler myers 2.0 um i see him kind of the same way just like large slow eh, i'm just not super i don't know some people I, were super excited about him i'm just super not tyler myers is a great comparison honestly i'm i'm gonna jump in and say that's a little too mean to logan <laughs> stanley <laughs> it's just like a touch too mean because maybe like tyler myers makes like whatever six million dollars it's one of the worst contracts in the league and logan stanley is not that um but yeah i hear you he is he's not fast afoot he's not where the game is going um, yeah. which, which is more um, speed. You know, this postseason accepted with what we're seeing with the Islanders and stuff, but like 
I think we're all on the same page with Logan Stanley. Again, like he still holds some promise and I, I was excited about what he was able to do in stretches, but I think overall long sample, just the, the slowness is going to start to show up. I hope he becomes the next Chara, but how many people yeah. don't become the next Chara? Well, pretty much every, every different for every Chara you've had every other six, seven guy drafted who didn't become Chara, right? Yeah. So it's like temper your expectations a little bit. Uh, um, I tweeted this, I think t- maybe two, maybe he was even three years ago. I can't remember when I tweeted it, but it was something along the lines of, Oh, uh, this guy's six, nine. If we draft him, he could be the next char. Wait, wait a minute. Does that Are we mean- playing basketball or hockey? What but does that mean? <laughs> does that mean if I draft the next six, one guy, can I say, Oh, he could be the next Connor McDavid. You know, it's yeah. like, that's the extreme. Like, mm-hmm. you're not, if you're looking for the exception to the rule every time, you're going to lose. That's just how it is. So, and Logan Stanley, I think, I think has shown he's probably an NHL defenseman somewhere between a five and a seven guy, I think, based on what I've seen. Um, if you're seeing more than that, I think all you're looking at, I think, I don't know. I don't know what you're seeing, but I think all you're looking at is size. Um, and like history has shown that that's not exactly the way you want to look at things. Yeah. Let's... And again, my, my biggest fear is just that he takes up Hanala or Sandberg's spot. That's my biggest concern just with the way that this team is managed. That too he's not special enough to take a spot away from those guys. And I would much rather see them get a chance to actually do good stuff rather than watch a tree trunk on skates. Yeah. And Dylan Sandberg's already 22 years old. He's going to need to play NHL games very soon. I and thought he's that was... also large. He's That's large. A big boy. And he can, and he can move. Yeah, he yep. can move. That's the difference. And I think that's the one thing that was a real shame for the Jets fans this year is we didn't really get to see the entirety of the pipeline. We saw like five games of Hanala with flashes of brilliance. We never saw Sandberg. Uh, we saw Niku for a couple games. Niku was kind of what I expected, but again, really small sample to understand where they potentially fit in. Uh, let's move on to the UFAs. I'm just going to do it. We have to talk about Dougie Hamilton from the start, the prize uh, UFA. We can talk about Seth Jones too, but I don't think that's going to be a long conversation with the three of us. We Um, are not going to talk about Seth Jones just because it's, it's not allowed. Um, It's a mistake. Any talk of Seth Jones is prohibited in these parts. Um, As a numbers guy, we can't do it. (laughs) I'm all for saying like Seth Jones isn't as bad as the numbers say he is, but he's not as good as a a number one defenseman. Uh, So that's why we're going to talk about Dougie Hamilton, who is a legit number one defenseman. Um, So where, where do you land on going after like the big prize, which is something that Winnipeg's never done in their history, like really try to land the top prize at the free agency pool. My thought is it would make me excited for next year more than I think anything else could. Um, Dougie Hamilton, 
for the last two years, I've thought in the entire NHL, like he doesn't hit the way Bufflin did, but if you want as close a comparable in terms of style of play, in terms of control of the game and just creating chaos, I don't know if there's a better comparable to Dustin Bufflin than Dougie Hamilton and what he could potentially bring to your team um, along with all the skills that he brings, the outstanding shot, uh, offensive awareness, aggressiveness offensively, a potential to really trickle that down the lineup and potentially allow this team to play a whole different style. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think there's a – over the last few years, I don't think there's been a better potential player the Jets could bring in. And I do think they should try and throw absolutely everything. Ooh, I'm going to fight you now. Like, uh, I feel like there's two players that have come up. They're both on Vegas. I feel like Mark Stone um, – Oh, I, was, I was talking fundamental UFAs. difference maker. I was talking. I, I think you have to say Petrangelo has been a difference maker too, because he's taken, you know, the, the husk of Alec Martinez and made him like a reasonable defenseman. Yeah. And I, I see Petrangelo and Dougie Hamilton as similar in that mold. Honestly, I see the difference in age though, as being a factor there as well. Um, True. In terms like, Petrangelo is, I think, already in his early 30s. Yeah. Um, if not, yeah, I, th- I think he's. I mean, in his but early Dougie 30s. Hamilton's 28. He's not young. No, he no. Is. But in terms of giving each player a seven year deal or an eight year if it's a sign and trade, um, I think I'd rather give that to Dougie. Uh, Dev, uh, Dougie Hamilton. Um, I want him so bad. I want Dougie Hamilton on our team so bad. I think we should entice him with all of our wonderful museums that we have in Winnipeg. Um, oh, yeah. He should come to see the non-such. Um, yes. Our science museum is pretty cool. Um, we have the Riel House. Dougie Hamilton, come to Winnipeg. You know you want to. The museums it, are this, such a party here. <laughs> there's no one else I would ask this question to. Um, uh, on the scale of Brandon Tanev to Dougie Hamilton, where do you have Dougie Hamilton? As somebody that loves Brandon Tanev. Listen, Brandon Tanev, wife of my life. (laughs) I no comparison, not Uh, a fair uh, comparison. I'll say. So everyone like wants to have Dougie Hamilton. I don't think there's any disagreement there. Are you willing to pay Dougie Hamilton nine nine and a half at term? Yes. Dev. I say yes, um, and controversial take, I would deal Kyle Connor, not for Dougie Hamilton, but for other things to fill for Caproom. Not a controversial take on this podcast. I was very anti-Kyle Connor signing. I was hoping that we were going to commit more to Patrick. Like back when that was all happening, I was hoping we were going to commit more to Patrick Laine than to Kyle Connor because... Everyone said that Patrick Kleine was a one-trick pony. So is KC. Um, he's not, I don't know. He's a great, he can finish. And like, what else though? Yeah, um, so Dev, I had those thoughts exactly. Um, well, I've, I've always had those thoughts about Kyle Connor. He's weak defensively. 
Um, doesn't really drive a lot of offense. Um, great finisher. Um, and that's what everyone said about Patrick Laine. And it, it, it was kind of true about Patrick Laine to a degree, but Patrick Laine was just way better at that one thing, and that's finishing. Now, when they had Patrick Laine, that was a big reason I thought Cal Connor was very um, expendable, and you would get so much for him because he just came off of what? Uh, I think he was on pace for 40 goals in the shortened season, right? So. Yeah. Um, I thought you could have gotten so much for him rather than um, dealing Patrick La- uh, dealing Patrick Laine, who was like tied with Nikolai Ehlers for my favorite player. Um, so yeah, that that still kind of kind of hurts. I don't know about trading Kyle Connor now that Patrick Laine is gone, but I can certainly see the argument for it in the right deal. I do think if the Jets are to be a contender next year, that Kyle Connor is going to need to be going to need to play a part in that with his finishing. I think you're going to need to put him with two strong play drivers, though, in order to do it. So I see where you're coming from, a hundred percent, and like I've totally had the same opinion as you before. So yeah, but. I don't know 100% if that's the right move, but I guess none of us ever do. So, All right, that brings us to uh, other UFAs. Um, really quickly, Stastny and Perot, um, do you think they come back? And, and if they come back, um, how much would it cost to bring them back? I could see them bringing... I could see them bringing either of them back, but I think... I think more likely you would see Matthew Perot come back just as a filler for the bottom six. I know Paul Maurice really does like Matthew Perot in that bottom six role, um, especially based on the way he he talked about him, unfortunately, with Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis um, as being high-impact bottom six players or fourth-line guys. Uh, he, I guess he was right about one of those players, and that's Matthew Perot. <laughs> and I do think he brought a lot to the team. Uh, he was excellent in terms of controlling possession this year, uh, good in his own end. And it would be nice to have him back if you're looking to be a contender next year. Um, if you're looking to kind of retool a bit, not – necessarily contend but get the young guys ready maybe for a push in another year I don't necessarily think you bring him back I think you play a guy like Veseline and or you know even or a Harkin even a Harkins in that situation but I really love Matthew Perot and I'd be sad to see him go so um I think there's a very strong possibility he comes back. I think a bit less so for Stastny. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of on the same page there. I, um, in a dream world, they both come back for cheap um, because that would be really nice to have our bottom six well-rounded like that. And I think that having actually good vet players in our bottom six would be really helpful helpful for players like Veselainen and Harkins because I think that 
especially those two and and Gustafson as well um, have a ton of potential. Um, I'm kind of hoping Gustafson kind of becomes the next Adam Lowry and that they can kind of pass the torch there. Um, I would love to see that. Um, and having guys like Perot and Stasny, super steady players, um, great, great room guys also, which on this team does seem to be important. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we get it done for both of them. And I don't want to, um, I wouldn't want getting both of them to come back to compromise getting a Dougie Hamilton perhaps, or some other, you know, top right. defenseman. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to keep them and then compromise a, a different, better deal. Um, but in a dream, in an ideal world, both of them come back and just beef up our, our bottom six. Um, because while I do feel that Thompson and um, Lewis were much better than whoever we had last year, who I don't even remember their names at this point, like who was playing better than Eakin, who is also playing our second line center role. Are you talking about Dominic Toninato and like that kind of stuff in terms of like uh, people that were playing out like well over their position? Like, I think I'm going to get kicked off the podcast for saying this. I don't think we can bring Perot back. Like he is great. He is wonderful. He's one of the chief reasons I've enjoyed being a Jets fans in the last three or four years, but he's injury prone and he's 33 and I'm full on playing Logan's run with this team. Now, if you're over 30 and your name's not Blake Wheeler, because you have a no untradeable contract, I'm going to say, see you later. And it's, it's cutthroat, but it's a business. And I think like with Perot, that's the, the deal. And I think with Stastny, I think he only comes back if you can pay him under like two, two and a half or under. And I'm not he's sure great. he can he'll take that. He'll get he'll get probably three and a half to four, I'm thinking, Kishore. Uh yeah. Talking I think about right. Stastny, obviously. Perot, I don't know. I think I think the injury thing, yeah, I guess. But in the last three years, okay, he's play, he played eighty-two games in eighteen nineteen. Or he played 70 the year before. I mean, he missed that stretch at the start. 82 games in 18-19. 49 in the shortened season. He did miss a chunk. This year he played all 56 games. Yeah, and Um, when he's healthy, he's great. He just plays like the kind of style that he's going to get hurt. Like he, he does, he plays kind of that reckless style that we love that causes chaos. I just worry about him when he's going to be 34 next year being able to maintain his uh, uh like the health i have the same feeling about blake wheeler we saw that this year what injuries did to what was one of the top top what 30 players in the league going back a couple of years now he's a shell of himself yeah. um uh, because uh, of how injuries take a toll um it, stastny is interesting to me purely from the mentoring pld and like the stability that he could bring PLD and get the best out of him. Um, That's where veteran leadership matters to me is like where you give somebody, you give one of your young players, a veteran to make them better instead of having a vet on the fourth line who can like take face offs and can't skate, you know, that, which has been our MO. 
You know what I think uh, PLD needs? Dougie Hamilton and Billy Hainala. Uh, that's 100% right. Like, <laughs> yes. That's 100% yes. right. He guys, needs a puck move. Guys, he needs somebody guys, that does zone exit. Yep. Zone, zone exits and, jo- and joining the rush and being a part of that and activating in the O zone. Um, I think a lot of the offense do- or PLD wanted to create down low just ended up going to the top for a point shot, which usually isn't all that dangerous. Um, and I know there's got to be a lot more from PLD himself in terms of creating offense, but I, I do think adding some, uh, some more aggressive defensemen would do wonders for him. Uh, we are going long. So let's do a quick like round robin of UFAs that you would sign that are maybe a little bit below the radar of Dougie Hamilton, let's say, <laughs> that you'd want to see on the team. Um, uh, Brian, do you have any that you would throw out there? Just throw out a few names. Sure. Um, I'll start with Jake McCabe um, on the Ooh. Buffalo Sabres. Uh, left-handed defenseman. Had a great start to the year and got injured. But um, really good metrics on the defensive side of the puck over the last few years. Um, average to below average offensively. Um, but he can skate. Uh, he's not the greatest at moving the puck, but he's so good defensively. He's kind of like... I, I don't want to compare him to Derek Forbert because he's way better than Derek Forbert, but he's like, if Derek Forbert was really good at everything you thought Derek Forbert should be good at, if you wanted Derek Forbert to be good. Like, I don't know if that, I don't know if that made any sense, but um, he's like that kind of player, but also a very, a good skater, which is not Derek Forbert and way better mm-hmm. with the puck on his stick. So that would be a guy I would try and sign as a partner for Neil Pionk. Um, If that was your only signing, you would end up at that point with that pairing, Morsi DeMello, and then I guess Hainala and put whoever you want in the other spot, Sandberg, Stanley. Um, I don't know if you... Honestly, it could be warm body um, at that point because you're talking about the number six role. Right. Um, and another, I guess, under the radar, um, if you want like some depth, uh, I'm seeing if it's the same person I picked. It's, I have a few options I have pulled up here, but maybe just as a depth signing, maybe you go get a guy like Sam Gagne, who's not really a physical guy, a lot different than what the jets are used to. I don't know. They won't go with that. They want their big guy could kill penalties, blah, blah, blah on in their depth. Uh, but maybe a guy like Sam Gagne or a guy like Vinny Henestrosa, someone like that who can add mm-hmm. some depth scoring um, kind of thing. Dev, did you have any on your, on your list? Um. I will not lie. I don't pay a ton of attention um, to UFAs every year, um, except for the Jets ones, because I'm always scared of who we're going to lose. Um, but Jake McCabe is absolutely on my list. Um, Brady, List and Ju- Brady, List and Justin have been um, talking about him a lot. Um, and I've seen his charts and they are quite nice. Um, and I think that that would be a great signing for us just to 
help on D and bulk us up a little bit more on the back end. Um, I don't really have much other to add than that. Um, and then of course, my dream of re-signing re our UFAs, Pro and Stasny, but we already went over that. Uh, so I'm going to go a little off the board. Um, I'm going to play, I like playing reclamation projects because it's, you know, it's high risk, high reward. You get, you can get a Spezza and you can also get a Wayne Simmons on Could your same team. It could also be a low risk depending on the contract. True. So, um, a few on my list are, uh, Eric Halla. He's, he's 30 with Nashville brings a little bit of speed, um, um, brings a little bit of a zone entry. I think he, He's not as good of a player as Andrew Kopp, but I think he could be a replacement for Kopp if we're talking about a third-line role. Another third-line player I was looking at is Josh Levo. Causes a lot of havoc in front of Josh the net. I love Levo, and he'll be cheap, yeah. too. And he'd be cheap, right? And he's 28. You know, he potted six goals for just an absolutely terrible Calgary team this year. Uh, and mostly, all of his goals came from, like, within two feet of the net. So he's that kind of player. I think that's interesting. Full reclamation project only for a six defenseman. And I hate that I'm saying it. I'm wondering about the corpse of Jason Demers on like a league minimum. He's a right-handed defenseman. He used to be one of the best defense defensive defensemen in the league. Could he in sheltered minutes actually regain a little bit of that form? That's a little out there. He's not somebody that's going to move the puck or change things very much um, uh, for you. I, I'm on the McCabe train. I think he's really interesting. I think Mike Riley is also interesting, depending That's on another where his where his value goes. Um, but like to me, like Riley, Dunn, McCabe, they're all kind of in the same kind of mold for me, in the sense that they're good at doing zone exits, which we think is critical for this team, and that's the reshape we we kind of see as necessary. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they have to go younger on the fourth line. And just play the kids. Absolutely. Gustus, it's got to be Gustafson, Veselainen, Harkins. Maybe Veselainen can actually be up on the third or even potentially second line, depending on where Perfetti kind of slots in. But yeah. this is like, this is the time for like, you have Harkins, you have Gustafson, you have guys that can play fourth line minutes, and they're not going to be great at it at first, but they'll yeah. grow into it. And if you have zone exits that allow guys like that to forecheck, and Gustafson is going to be good at forechecking, just like Lowry is. Then you can make a huge difference. We're watching what Vegas does with forechecks. There are pounding teams. They pounded Colorado, the best team that I've seen in years, into dirt with a forecheck that relied primarily on zone exits, driving it up, and then just obliterating people with a forecheck. Yeah, David Gustafson also is going to be, I think – a good player in transition, which I don't think a lot of people have, like in terms of thinking of David Gustafson, like you're thinking Adam Lowry, but he's going to be better mm -hmm. offensively than Adam Lowry. And he's going to be better in transition. Um, and just to, just to point it out, um, I did a few different iterations of off seasons. The jets could do on cap friendly's tool. Great tool, by the way, it's a lot of fun. The armchair GM mm -hmm. tool tool. You should check it out. Um, every single one in my starting lineup, I had Cole Perfetti, David Gustafson, Christian Besselainen, Vili Hainala, and Dylan Samberg. All five of them, every single one. That includes signing 
uh, a couple of UFAs. So I don't think there's any reason for the Jets not to get those guys in there. Yeah, and Gustafson yep. to me is particularly exciting. I don't remember when it was, but there was an interview he did one time where he literally said that he models his game after Adam Lowry's game, which to me, I'm like, perfect. Keep doing that, but also do it a little bit better because um, he's got some speed and size and I'm super excited to see where Gustafson can go because what we've seen from him already and Harkins as well, it's if they can get minutes, I'm excited about what they can do. I think David yeah. Gustafson will be a very good middle six forward. Yeah. The only two other reclamation projects that are on my list are Sam Bennett, but I think he'll be too much um, after the success he had in Florida mm-hmm. because he's already a depressed asset. He he only made like 2.2 last year, and I think he'll be will be priced out. And um, uh, I don't think he's good, but I think he he could be good in a bottom six. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu, who made 1.2 this year, and he's on the Kings. Does anyone remember him getting to the Kings? I don't think so. I think he's one of those like forgotten players uh, that are out there. And I think those are the types that you want to get um, for for your bottom six. And, and I know there'll be questions about like, but who's going to penalty kill? Because Thompson and Lewis did that for us this year. I think those are roles that Gustafson Harkins can build into Appleton. He got taken off the penalty kill because of Nate Thompson for whatever reason. Appleton was doing well on the PK, and then Thompson came in and like, like the I don't know if the results changed that much, but they weren't really better with Thompson. Yep, totally. I mean, like, I I give that fourth line a lot of credit. I think Thompson and Lewis maximized their value, but that was it. Like we saw their value in the regular season and then they got absolutely exposed against and Montreal. And then I think, I think they did it as part of a system that also took away from the top six. Yeah. Which uh, I think is a problem. 100%. So it sounds like we're all kind of coming to some agreement. Like Perfetti's got to be on the team next year. Hanel has got to be on the team next year. I'm on team Sandberg's got to get like a lengthy totally, look. Totally. Um, I want to see him so bad. Like there's for Sandberg, there's, there may be some disagreement on what his ceiling is. He I've always like, I thought he was NHL ready two years ago, personally, um, just based on the way he was absolutely controlling play in college. But um, like, there's some disagreement, I guess, on his offensive ceiling. Like, uh, he may not put up a ton of points. He may put up more points than I think, but I I think there's a real second pair ceiling there, like a good second pair ceiling. I like to me, he seems like what the idealized version of Pionk forward would be if it was Pionk Sandberg. Yeah, like he's big, big, big. He can play the PK. Uh, he can grow into that PK role. Um, and he's better at moving the puck out of the zone uh, on an initial pass than Forbert was. So, like, that's my idealized version for him. And that would be massive if he, we can get him to that level. Yeah, there, I think there's a lot of Jacob Slavin potential in Dylan Sandberg. Yeah, I agree. I, like, my biggest hope, though, for the Jets is to play the kids because you get two things from playing the kids. You get to build up those assets to potentially trade them if they don't fit into the future. 
And the other thing is you get to weaponize cap space. And I think that is the other thing that is going to be super valuable this year um, is there's going to be like, you look at the capitals, they have Kuznetsov that they are willing to give away right now. I mean, partially because of the cocaine, but partially because of, (laughs) of um, the fact that he makes 7.8 and just doesn't fit in with the team. There are dozens of players that are like that, that are great. And it only works is if you have the cap space. So with Stastny and Pro, love you, but they're freeing up 10 million in cap space by coming off the books. Um, if you can sm- sign Pionk to a smart deal, if you can sign um, you know, some of these other players at smart, very low cost deals, you'll be in a position to pick up the dregs because that is exactly what Seattle is gonna do. And we should be in a position to do it too. Right. For sure. I, I totally agree with the, uh, with the philosophy there, more or less, you are going to have to fill your bottom six with some guys. And I personally, I want Perot to be one of those guys. Um, I think we'll have that discussion, uh, another time, I think though. Yeah, for sure. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, look, I just don't, don't do what you've always done. Don't go and get Nate Thompson to fill out your, your last center spot. Go and fill out your roster with guys that could potentially move the needle and go get some guys that are going to sort of more or less control flow of play in that role. Don't go for the gritty veteran guys um go for the guys that you know can really actually help your team on the ice it it really sounds simple but I, i think it should be simple but it's not for these guys sometimes so i think you get what i'm trying to say it's do things a little bit differently in that spot if you're signing guys who aren't going to move the needle for you just because they're a veteran well that's blocking your young guys from getting much needed development don't do it i would rather sign nobody than sign a repeat of nate thompson um Mm -hmm. and i guess same goes with they signed lucas visa who ended up on on waivers but same with that kind of thing right Mm-hmm. Um, Hanela and Sandberg need to get the ice time. Um, so if you're blocking a guy like Sandberg, only do it if you're getting someone who's really going to move the needle positively. Forbert wasn't that, Bully wasn't that, and yes, I get it for the expansion draft, but yeah, that's basically all I got to say. Dev, I forgot. Final thoughts? Um, I did, I do want to say that I admittedly forgot that Nate you existed um <laughs> and now i'm scared that the jets are gonna try to play him again no please don't um he's fine as a number seven i would say an eight he's, yeah, yeah okay. he, <laughs> should, he should he should take hanala's seat in the press box yes nate Beaulieu wears great suits he always has great suits you know where you get to see his amazing suits the press box leave him there um but yeah my final thoughts Maybe this is a hot take. Maybe it's not. I honestly think that the Jets could make zero moves um, other than some, like, 
re-signing Pionk and a couple things, but, um, and most of our problems could be solved internally, but I do think it would require cleaning house on the coaching staff, which clearly does not look like it's going to happen. Um, but I just look at all the youth that we have who aren't playing and what they could do for our team. Um, and my big thing, I said it a million times this season that like, if we're going to be mediocre or bad, at least play the young guys and let them, let them learn. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I do quickly want to touch on uh, biggest Jets offseason move. Who is going to replace John from Jets Social? <laughs> Today was John's last day. Um, he announced it and everyone was kind of, I mean, I found it to be a surprise. I'm, I think John is one of the better social media managers in the league. Um, and I think he does, I just think he's really good at his job. And so I'm sad to see him go. Um, I don't know how much you guys pay attention to that social, but I think it's fun. Um, and it's going to be strange to be quote tweeting, not John anymore, because I know that John mm -hmm. reads every quote tweet. And so I'm okay that I know that it's him. He knows that it's me. It's fine. Now I have to be less of a freak online. <laughs> ne never do that because that makes the, that's what makes Twitter great is being weird in ourselves. Um, uh, absolutely. Like that's the thing. Like uh, when we get, when we take the team too seriously, when, when like everything becomes about uh, is Maurice coming or going like that, it, it becomes not fun to be a fan. And if ever we need an off season that rejuvenates our spirit, as we try to head back to when we can actually see games in person, this is the season. So time. totally agree with you um, about uh, the lot, the void that's going to be there, but I hope other people can help fill it. And um, like, the one thing is we're Winnipeg. We're not Toronto. We're not like, toxic like you know some of the Edmonton media can be around that team we should have fun with this team and I hope that's that carries through this season um thank you both for joining us uh uh both of you like they were great on our intermission chats this playoffs it, it was incredible to have you both um and Dev definitely come back um because we we need like voices uh like yours to uh to keep us uh, grounded as we go forward um, Brian, any last thoughts before we sign off? I think I pretty much said what I needed to say. I, I am definitely going to knock on wood when it comes to the expansion draft. Um, because, uh, if there's one partner that I'm really looking for that are going to force the jets hand, I think it's the Seattle Kraken. Cause if they make the right selection, it can set cer certain things in motion that I think set us up for success. Um, thank you for listening. There'll be more podcasts coming this offseason where we take a look at the expansion draft in detail, uh, talk about some of the free agent signings and moves. Uh, and we're going to try to have some fun with this offseason going into next year. Uh, and I'm hoping to talk about what the fan experience is going to be like as we think about getting back in the arena next year. I haven't seen a Jets game since the Heritage Classic in person. Uh, so I'm going to make my pilgrimage up to winnipeg hopefully this uh this fall to finally see a game at the newly renamed if i heard that correctly it's no longer yep. bell empty nest but it, what is it now canadian canada life canada Center. life, canada canada life. life. i don't is, even know what canada life is i don't is, either it's great West life. <laughs> 
Oh, Ryan. Okay. It's Great West Life, um, gotcha. which <laughs> I call Great Waste of Life, but yeah. I... But now it's Canada Life. Same thing. All right. Well, I'm sure the beers will still be overpriced at Canada Life as they were <laughs> at Bell FTS, but. Uh, I think the the parties and the the accompaniment will be just as good. Uh, stay tuned for more podcasts uh, from us. Uh, and that's about it. Hoping for a good off season. See ya. Cheers. I'm Kurt Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.